Okay, I think I'm at a good dust bolt range. Okay. So where to next? So it's we're quiet, we're yeah. actually gonna stay in the car because me and your grandma. I I didn't really tell you too much, but your grandma actually helped me um, be more confident as a musician because I'm a, I'm a trombone player. Um, I also uh, used to play a lot. In, well, not a lot, a lot, but I played enough around Monterey, right? And your mom got me like a couple gigs, and she was always kind of like my go-to lady whenever I needed advice. I don't remember actually how we met. <laughs> I don't either. It doesn't matter. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. I just love how that happens though when I know someone for a while, and then right. you just forget what the first meeting even right. was. Right. Okay, I'm gonna get started. Welcome to Don't Cast and Drive. This is your speaker person, Veronica Tyler Christie, sometimes V. And today I have a very dear, per, like a very special guest, very dear to my heart, uh, who lives currently in the Monterey area. Her name's Pat Kason. Um, so, Pat, just to kind of give you guys some backstory, those who are listening. Uh, Pat was one of my mentors back in Monterey when I lived out here back in 2009 through probably 2011. Uh, She is a soprano saxophonist in the area that does a lot of gospel and uh, smooth jazz music. Is that correct? And also... Just music. Just music. Okay, fine. (laughs) And also, uh, she did run the Latin Collective with John Nava. Uh, which is a really like fun, like high energy group. So, uh, Pat, how about you? Uh, just kind of give us a little bit of your background. Okay, I came to music a little late. Um, all things considered, most kids start when they're, um, I guess, elementary or whatever. But because I wanted to play the saxophone, and my mom thought it was a boy's instrument, um, she wouldn't give me one. So after about five years of begging, when I was a junior in high school, I signed up for band and came home one day and said, hey, I'm in band. I need a, I need a saxophone. And my daddy went for it. I think he knew what was really going on, but he went and got me a saxophone. So I started playing seriously then. And what got me interested was in the sax. I had a cousin who was playing, and we were competitive, um, <laughs> as in sibling-like competitive. And I was like, hey, I can do that. Show me what you know, and I can do that, too. So he did, and I could. And um, I figured out or found out it was more or less my gift, you know, of, you know, we all have something that we're passionate about that we love to do. Not that it's not work, but we do it. So playing the horn was mine, or music was mine, because I also double on keys. Um, I do want to make a little bit of clarity before we go forward, before I forget. Of course. The Latin Jazz Collective is John Nava's project, and I was oh. fortunate to be. Um, he's like a little brother to me, too. Um, he tells me that I encouraged him, um, though we're not that far apart in age. Wink, wink. Um, um, but but I played with him for, for, for a few years, and then life gets in the way. You have to take care of family, and we are a family-first type of group, so... I had to step back from that, um, unfortunately. But they're still going strong. If you see them out in the area, 
Um, they are local group, man. It's it's fun. It's good music. Um, so John Nava's Latin Jazz Collective. Okay, that's my plug for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just feel like you're like the front lady for a second. But um, no disrespect to John because he's a great guy. He's a really nice no. dude. Um, so awesome. And then for just like further study um did you go to college or did you go to school for music after like high school is starting late like what kind of got you more I, I in the did grind? I um well it started off at JC Monterey Peninsula College where you also went mm-hmm. and I was kind of just passing the time because I wanted to be a music major um, my dad supported me my mom wanted me to be white collar something anything you know because mm-hmm. musicians are poor and starving and um, finally she got with the program by the time she got with the program it was time to transfer and I'd actually transferred to um, a tech school which is no longer in existence it was a recording audio recording school up in the Bay Area which was still a neat experience because I met some cats who were engineering at Fantasy and um, a couple of studios in San Francisco back in the you know the 60s and so mm-hmm. forth. So they had some really cool stories in addition to the knowledge mm-hmm. that they shared. But recording wasn't really my thing. It was more playing is what I really loved. So um, after about a year of that, I, I uh, was looking into schools and saw Berklee College of Music in Boston. And I said, hey, I'm not really a formally trained musician. Because even when I got to high school, most of it was self-taught. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said, I, I was, I'm the kind that when I catch a vision of something, I don't say what can't be done. I just say, how can I get there? Mm-hmm. And so when we were going for the um, Berkeley thing, um, I basically was a church player. And I was still oddball there. Um, but I did what I did. And so I went to do scholarship audition and I did it with the gospel song and a full choir in the background what yeah and, oh um, that's so powerful <laughs> yeah and, and I got scholarship from that too so that was totally cool and the Berkeley experience was just so cool for the networking it wasn't really a jazz school like people think it's a jazz school it's more of a contemporary music school mm-hmm. but there is a jazz um portion of folks who were there like some of the cats I went to school with you'll see on the festival circuit like um, Antonio Hart mm-hmm. um, Mark Whitfield um, mm-hmm. guys that are out there Javon Jackson mm-hmm. and those are some of the cats I went to school with that more straight ahead players Donald Brown was one of my teachers he was at the jazz festival Monterey um, jazz festival a few years back and it was nice to reconnect with him mm-hmm. um, um, there are cats that are in the industry that I still keep in contact to. Um, we're talking about networking. I'll say a thing about networking. Don't network just for um, just for the contacts. Make friends first. Yeah. You know, because um, yeah. it's kind of a karma thing. What goes goes out comes back. So if you're there just to use people, guess what? There you go. <laughs> guess what? You know, so make friends. Yeah, um, I've be- always felt. Sorry, I didn't mean to mm-hmm. cut you Go off. Go ahead. No, I I always felt that everyone that I've ever connected with on like in my like in my like music life that they've always come to me as a friend first. Mm-hmm. It feels more genuine. Yeah, and yeah. you kind of look out for each other a little bit better. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, because the music industry is ugly. Um, 
depending on where you go, what segment of of of, of the music industry, it is a beast, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you kind of have to be wise, you know, in your dealings. But if you have a core group that you know you can depend on, then you're okay. Um, but I think the thing is, like I had a teacher tell me once when I was at Berkeley that I was going to be able to do all that I wanted to do musically, but it would take me a good while. And when I asked him why, he said, because you have a code of ethics that a lot of people don't. When people say they'll do anything for quote-unquote stardom or to get to where they want, they mean that. Mm-hmm. He said, you're not going to do that. I said, oh, you're right. And so my um, journey has been a slow one. And then it was slowed down by family. Um, one of the regrets I never wanted was to um, have kids and have them not know me because I'm so busy mm-hmm. being about what I want to do because mm-hmm. I, I, and part of that is because I've looked at people that I've admired and they've had the musical accolades and they lost the family mm-hmm. or they didn't get it right with the first set of kids and I'm like I'm not having two and three sets of kids I'm having one set of kids <laughs> you know and I want to get that part right the first time around you know so um I kind of modified what I did because I had kids so I came back to the peninsula which is not um creative music scene you mm-hmm. know to explode and grow and all that mm-hmm. um, but nevertheless I've been able to play music um a good portion no I've been able to play music since college um I kind of pick out it's kind of neat because I don't play because I'm forced to play mm-hmm. so I get to pick what I'd like to do mm-hmm. and that's neat too because I, I recall one time talking about because there's a business side to the music business mm-hmm. and that's what most musicians forget they're these creative types and they think oh I'm so creative people love me so I, they should be pouring into me and that's not the reality um, of what your expectation should be regarding business business is business mm-hmm. and the bottom line is dollars and cents you mm-hmm. know however you view whether you're dealing with the club owner the coffee house owner the record company or whatever the bottom line is what are you bringing what are you bringing to the table as well besides your talent mm-hmm. um, because there's enough talent out there we all see that mm-hmm. whether it's mediocre mm-hmm. middling or whatever um, and some of your best musicians you you'll never see recorded and you're yeah. like, why? Why aren't you doing anything? It's like I said, it would take the fun away from the music. And you got to respect that, too. But if you want to be in the music business, you can, make, um, you can make money doing it. You have to learn how to handle your business, though, mm-hmm. and recognize that there are two separate entities. You know, at that point, your music is a product. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you, you mentioned about how, like, there's a lot of talented people and... Nowadays, uh, we have access, you know, to YouTube mm-hmm. and to streaming services. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like one of those things, like it's a secret anymore. Right, right. <laughs> so um, for you, for you, like for your networking base, I mean, we talked about like building relationships. Uh, what was, aside from building the relationships, like how do you, how what hard or what were challenges that you probably faced or maybe it was easy that when you were trying to get your music out there to everybody like what was your method um my methodology is the same as everybody else you just push to the revenues that you know i'm hope you make strategic hits you know Mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't um i think i have the same struggles any other artist has it's 
you get to certain levels and when you want to jump to that next level sometimes your biggest dilemma is how to hit that level mm -hmm. um how to hit that level with integrity if that's your goal if you want to be integritous and you want to go to sleep with both eyes at night you know mm -hmm. i don't have all these other sidebar issues because i'm so driven by one thing you know because we're where um, I think sometimes people who are really passionate about they do are more selfish. I'm not as selfish, I think. Um, mm -hmm. I won't say it's narcissistic, just selfish because mm -hmm. your focus is so singular. That's why I say if you're young and unmarried, enjoy it to the nth degree. But if you have a family, you know, you got to realize there's more in life than you. Mm -hmm. And be mindful of that too because that counts at the end of the day as mm -hmm. well, you know. Because um, when you get sick, who's going to look after you? Not the cats that's trying to get the next gig on the road. You know, <laughs> it's going to be your family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, the getting getting connected with the right people, making sure they're the right people. Because like I said, the, the industry is a beast. You have people who make you promises. And you, you know, when you're younger, of course, you're a little, your nose is a little more open. You're like, yeah, they're going to do this and they're going to do that. Then they don't follow through. Mm -hmm. Or you do stuff based on what people say they're going to do, and it helps you re ruin other relationships because mm -hmm. you were depending on this. That's happened. I mean, that's part of life. And then there's some few mistakes I've made on my own. And, mm -hmm. um, I can't blame everybody for everything. Mm -hmm. um, they were just mistakes I made, um, which um, is just as part of life. We don't always make good decisions. Right. Um, but overall, I, I can say I've been happy. Um, I, I don't feel that my journey is over by any means. As long as I have breath, um, I'll be doing music. Um, I'd like to travel a little more. I've had opportunity to travel two-thirds of the way around the world playing music. And this is why okay. I say you can do what you want. People don't have to know you. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to know you, <laughs> but everybody doesn't have to know you. You can still, you can still live the dream. I want to... Um, who wants superstardom and all the, uh, you know, uh, troubles that that brings? You know, mm -hmm. the hangers, honors, and so forth, and all the added drama. But I can be that um, background musician who gets a nice routine. I have a friend of mine, and I look at him. He, you know, he plays with Lyle Lovett. He goes overseas. He plays some festivals and stuff, and he stays busy. He's based in Vegas. Mm -hmm. I have another, um, I have a cousin who, mm -hmm. who's been in the R&B industry, has his Grammys. Um, but he does a lot of stuff off the side, too. He does corporate. He does. Um, he plays with the old band that he used to play with. He does some jazz, some straight-ahead stuff. He's a wonderful trumpet player, mm -hmm. um, an excellent producer. Oh, in fact, I need to text him until I won't be up. He's gigging San Jose tonight. <laughs> oh, what's his name? Skip Martin, Daz Band. You know, oh, yeah. you know song Let It Whip? Yeah. That's him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, crazy. What venue is it? At the SAP. Uh, at, oh, my God. That's the SAP. I don't know if I'll... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was like, you want to come up? Let me know. But anyways, that's the that's side. But my, my point being, he's mm -hmm. a guy who's been in the industry. He's hustled. He's been up at the top. Mm -hmm. And he's still hustling. Mm -hmm. You know? And so when I was in college, he used to come through town and stuff. And when he'd come through, we'd hang and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's fun, you know, because we get to meet his co co-workers or whatever you want to call them, his comrades. Um, but then you learn, you know, the the business can be ugly. I've been fortunate in my family that my husband's supportive. Mm -hmm. um, 
he knows enough about the industry that, and he knows enough that it be me being a female, what it can be like. Um, but we came to an understanding a long time ago in regards to me dealing with males. I can, for the most part, handle myself. Yeah. If um, I have a problem, then I tell him, I said, trust, I will come to you, and you can act any kind of fool you want, because at that point, I'm not able to handle the situation. Right. And it's been good thus far. I, I tend to get, I, I think because I give respect and I, I do demand respect, mm -hmm. that people have approached me differently. That's knocked some things out of the way, of course, but that's um, led my trail to be a lot cleaner. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, the guys that I work with regularly, they're like little brothers, mm -hmm. you know, or little brothers, big brothers, big. And they are family because I've seen times where they were ready to jump folks for me. And I'd be like, <laughs> hold down, back up, back up, you know. Hold the reins, like calm yeah. yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because one was like, I know how to hit him and not go to jail. I punch him in. I'm like, don't tell me. But, um, you know, the things you deal with club owners and stuff. Yeah. So I, I have a good group, a core group of folks around me. Um, like I said, I don't gig out as much as I want, of course, what musician does, because mm -hmm. we'd be breathing it, you know, every day. Mm -hmm. um, but I've, I've done enough, and I, I'm setting new goals. Right now I'm dealing with some health issues. I have cancer, um, so that's slowed me down greatly. But I've still had opportunities to play some. And um, it's been kind of nice because um, I tell people, this is my situation. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, we know where you are. We just want you there, which I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. You know, so come do what you can. Tell me what you can do mm -hmm. and sit in a song or two or whatever. And that's been cool. You know, so I appreciate people not just saying, oh, well, you know, she's sick. Yeah. That's it. You know, because that's not it. You mm -hmm. know. My doctor says music is part of my healing as well, so I I, I believe that. No, that's great. Mm -hmm. Um. So, with going into you, you kind of talked to me a little bit about your aspect on your faith, um, and I really appreciate how you approach yours. Um, if you want to kind of talk about that a little bit, because like. Faith for me is, um, I grew up, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church. I grew up mm -hmm. where, like, but it was kind of, for me, my personal experience, like, there's been, like, a lot of toxic overtones. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I know you're, like, what you said, like, through your health issues that you're using a lot of faith and you believe in, mm -hmm. you believe in your God and you, and you rely on that you trust what he puts towards you as trial or you know, and so I just wanted to kind of get your perspective on how you approach yours. Oh, okay. Well, I'm a Christian. You know, I believe in Jesus. Um, I'm not evangelical. <laughs> Let me put that out there. <laughs> in fact, sometimes I, I would tell a friend, I said, it's kind of a shame to say you're Christian these days, the way we're acting as a whole. Mm -hmm. And I said, because I believe God said, you know, love God with all your heart, mind, soul. Then the next thing he said was love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm like, I said, that's my goal, to show love. Mm -hmm. And my friend, which was nice, he told me, you do it very well. And I'm like, oh, good, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, you do it really well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, but but, but my, my, my thing with my faith is is vertical, I guess as they would say, mm -hmm. um, that it's me to God. I grew up in the church, too, so I've seen a lot of things, too, that are, mm -hmm. you know, 
can be toxic or are toxic for some people. They haven't been my experiences. I've had some, mm-hmm. you know, um, but like any community that you're in, sometimes we have different expectations because of the type of community. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I believe is that you have to realize that a community is full of broken people, mm-hmm. you know, so there are people, there's always an issue mm-hmm. to be dealt with, and that's whether you're 21 or 18 or 71. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I was talking to an older person, they were talking about something that they struggled with, and it was something that I thought was absolutely silly. And I was like, wow, in, in my head, in my inner voice, I was mm-hmm. like, wow, you struggle with that? And then that was the realization that people always have something to deal with. You know, they have um, a personal issue, a character issue. Um, that, that, But as long as you're, supposedly, as long as you're walking in the same direction, you know, um, it's my job to extend a little grace like I believe God extended grace or mercy to me. Mm-hmm. So that's what helps me with loving people. You know, I don't look at them and see. Um, I think we, we want to see people or things as perfect. Mm-hmm. And perfect in most of our mindset means without fault or blemish or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at different definition of perfection, it means maturing. Mm-hmm. So that means growing, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and if you look at it that way, that I'm growing mm-hmm. and that you're growing, and you got to realize we both come to the same starting line, mm-hmm. but we come at different places. Mm-hmm. For example, my temperament is laid back and easy going, so I don't have a problem getting along with most people. Mm-hmm. Your temperament may be more type A mm-hmm. or um, less, um, what's the word? Uh, you could be more stringent because you're more black and white in what you see. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to realize that there is gray in life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a maturing process, you know. Mm-hmm. As much as we like things to be strictly black and white, they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of gray in between. And it's just walking that journey out. And people walk it out different ways, meditation, yoga, or whatever they do. But it's, a, it's, a, it's all a journey. Yeah. And, and I think people come different ways to it. Um, so I, I share my, what's worked for me, and, and I say I choose my way, and since I choose it, mm-hmm. then I should choose to walk it out. Right. You know, and that's not always following you vertically because, um, or following me vertically, because there's going to be some things I do wrong. And you're like, Pat, I thought blah, blah, blah. Oh, I messed up. <laughs> you know, but do you have enough love to forgive my mess up? I hope so. Then we can go on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully it's not something I'm continually, repeatedly doing, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but I always, I even tell my kids, if you see me doing something that I talk to you about, call me on it, you know. <laughs> and a couple times they have, they like, Mom, you said blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, you're right, you're right. Okay, you got me. Mm-hmm. You know, and that still goes back to, you know, life's a journey. We're, we're all working things out. And hopefully we're working things out for the better, for the good, and not just... Um, I guess the second part of that is realizing that um, this life is just not about me. Mm-hmm. You know, we are a community, mm-hmm. and we are better together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like being part of a band. Um, solo, listening to me play solo, oh, she's got a nice tone. Oh, she's got good technique. Oh, she can play. Okay. But then hear <laughs> me with the band, is like, oh, man, they were killing. Hear the word they, mm-hmm. you know, community. Mm-hmm. And what I love about community, too, is so much can be accomplished and you can learn so much. Um, Like you were sharing about, um, even though it's your vision, 
I'm just giving you prompts, but I want you to do what you do because mm-hmm. that's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I want you to bring to the table, you mm-hmm. know. And so when you, you know, you get in a band and everybody has something to offer that they're bringing to the table, that's a mm-hmm. plus, you know. They said Miles Davis didn't really give directions. He just said, here. And you're like, what do you want? What do you want? Well, if, if I got to tell you everything I want, why did I hire you? <laughs> that's, that, that was his attitude. You know, I hired you because there was something he saw in them, you know, mm-hmm. that, that he knew would work for him. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of how, you know, when I when I work with people, I, I'm, I'm thoughtful about who they are. Or I've checked them out, whether I've played with them or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can, I can feel um, there may be a chemistry or not, you know. Mm-hmm. Like this one I can do that with. That one I have to work a little harder with, but that's okay. You just mm-hmm. have to change your approach and how you work with who you do. Mm-hmm. And I think my goal is always whoever I work with to try to make um, everyone look good, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means decreasing what you do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means stepping up what you do. <laughs> and then sometimes you're all just running together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's experiences and just good times, you know. And I've had so many good people just pass through my way, mm-hmm. you know, too. And that's great. Um, so I'll give you a couple more prompts and then we can close it out. Um, so any favorite stories that you have? I know you're very collectively, like, I appreciate <laughs> most things I'm in, but any good stories that you want to share? Oh, man, I have so many stories. <laughs> I do. I have a lot. I'll, I'll say one because I just reconnected. Um, this guy's nephew to Dizzy Gillespie. Oh, crazy. And we were in summer school, and Dizzy came by to pick him up and take him out. But we were on the other side of campus. This is in Boston, and Dizzy and James Moody were hanging out together. So somebody said, Dizzy and James Moody are blah, blah, blah. And you saw this little parcel of about 12 kids running to get to the other side of the campus <laughs> where Dizzy and James Moody were. And we're running like, you know, little puppies with our tongues hanging out because we didn't want to miss them. We didn't know where, where our, our buddy was, right? Yeah. So we're like, you just hold up. We want to go beat him. And it was so cool. We got up and met him. And they were just, um, you're meeting jazz icons, so you're meeting history, mm-hmm. you know. And it's so cool in the jazz world, um, you can meet your icons so much easier than you do in the pop world. Mm-hmm. They don't say have that same amount of security or around them or whatever. They're this more touchable. This is very true. Yeah. And so it's like, wow, I'm here with living history, you know. <laughs> um, and that was one I mean, it was a funny story because I, I just look at people looking at us running across campus because running across campus means running through some city blocks mm-hmm. um, to get from one side to the other and um, in Boston. And then um, I'll tell you one, the recent few years, there's a lady named Vi Red. She's an alto saxophone player. Um, unfortunately, I've lost touch with her, but I've had a friend locally who's always said, I have a friend who plays sax. I have a friend who plays sax. And usually they always want to tell me when it's a lady musician. And usually it's someone who doesn't play so well. So I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. But when she said her name by red, I said, oh, I've read about her in a couple of history books. Mm-hmm. It would be neat to meet her, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially going with female musicians. Mm-hmm. And so one Thanksgiving I was driving coming home from the Bay Area and I got a call I was like where are you at and I'm like oh 
I'm coming from Oakland, blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, Vi's here and she wants to meet you. So I perked up. I'm like, well, I'll be home around 7. Is that too late to come over? You know, it's a holiday. She's like, no, no, come on by. I said, okay. So I think I sped up a little more, dumped my mom off and all, you know, made sure she was set. Then we yeah. over to her house. And I had my horn in the trunk, but I didn't take it out, but it was in the trunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so I got to her house and got to the door. And she opens up the first thing. She goes, where's your horn? I'm like, oh, it's in the car. She's like, go get it. Okay. So I went and got it, went inside and met Vi. And Vi's like, pull your horn out. Um, my friend's son played keys, so he and Vi were playing. And so all three of us started playing. And after a while, it was just me and Vi playing. Mm-hmm. And it was just like she took me to school, you know. And I was sitting watching her playing. And I, after a while, I just stopped and I put my head in my um, hands and I was just watching her play. She's like, be thinking about what you want to play next. And I was like, I just want to watch you play. She's like, no, you're going to play. <laughs> so we played about two hours together. Mm-hmm. And it was like the whole room disappeared. And it was just me and Vi, which was totally cool. Mm-hmm. But you'd have thought I was sitting with like Charlie Parker or something. Because that's just how awesome she was. And mm-hmm. she, she was... um. I think she was almost eight. She was 79 or 80 then. And mm-hmm. she played with, um, she had the, the, the passion for it. Mm-hmm. She, in spite of, you know, what I've heard some women musicians have gone through to be musicians, she didn't have the bitterness about her. Mm-hmm. She just had, still had a love for what she was doing. So at that point, after that, I said, you know what, as long as I have breath, I'm going to play. Mm-hmm. You know, because while I was like, oh, I'll play a few more years, and I'll be a cute little old lady, and I'll go just play <laughs> the piano, and that'll be that. But I was like, no, nah, as long as I got breath, I'm going to play the horn. Mm-hmm. And it was cool, because I did a project, um, and I had sent her a copy of the project, because she said, keep in touch with me. So mm-hmm. I think it was a month or so after I'd sent it to her, I called her, and she picked up the phone. She's like, Pat? Oh, Pat, hold on. And she actually took time to sit and critique the project. Mm-hmm. And it was so cool because it was a true critique. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, she took time to do that. Yay. So that was totally cool. Yeah. So that was a really neat experience that I'll never forget. You know, it's like um, she wasn't my jazz hero, but she was on that level. Mm-hmm. So it was like I was meeting some, a hero I didn't know I had. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... I meet a lot of musicians, and there's been some times where, you know, meeting, like, the higher-tier guys, mm-hmm. like, I've had good experiences, like, for example, I had a good experience with Christian McBride, like, mm-hmm. I was a kid, and yeah. I had such a good experience with him, um, but there's also other guys who are up the higher tier, which I'm not going to name right now, who I haven't had such a good experience with. Yeah. Surprisingly, I had a good experience with Steve Touré, and I've heard otherwise with other people. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, but I, I love when you meet someone of like a higher tier, and instead of feeling like you're going to be teared down, like they just always come at you with like open arms, and right, it's always right. like a good bond to have with them. Right, right. Um, so, I for the last part of it, um, what? So you again are known for mentoring me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like um, my last, not my last days like, in Monterey, because I'm probably going to come back at some point. Right, right. <laughs> um, but uh, you, you've mentored me and like pushed me and like, you know how I am. Like, you just have to put me in the situation and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So what advice do you give for any of those who are still kind of shy about putting themselves out there or um, who are also like who can do it but are having a hard time doing it so what's your advice for that i think you gotta have a no fear everybody uses hashtags for everything so hashtag no fear <laughs> um and the reason i say that is because music and art is so subjective people like what they like often they can't tell you why they like it i just do mm-hmm. and often they don't so i always tell everybody someone's gonna always like what you do someone's always gonna not like what you do your thing is to just go do it and not worry about, you know, the outcome. Mm-hmm. Just you keep pressing doing what you do. Mm-hmm. So you have to get to a point of no fear. Mm-hmm. So you're not worried about judgment one way or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, so that means you're not believing all the press you get. Yeah. <laughs> good or bad. You yeah, know? exactly. You're just learning your craft and growing your craft. And you kind of know um, when you sit back and listen, like, oh, okay, that wasn't so, oh, that was better than I thought. Oh, okay. Ooh, that sucked. You know, and sometimes the things you think suck, other people are like, wow, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, really? Um, but but to be fearless about what you do, that that's really what I would say. And, and you do whatever it takes to hype you for that point. Um, because fear is what keep, holds a lot of us back from doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the fear of judgment or what will others think. And that's all peripheral, you know. Mm-hmm. And it might be internal, too, because you might be a hard taskmaster for yourself, too. So sometimes you have to give yourself some grace. Yeah. You know, and just go do what you do and say, hey, I'm enjoying the journey. you got to learn how to appreciate even that journey. Mm-hmm. And, and just go try it. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know, <laughs> if it doesn't, it doesn't. You just keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, as far as a player is concerned, I just do what I do. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm the... Um, I'll never be the most technically proficient, but I do have a lot of heart in what I do. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll hear that. And the thing I do I do like to work on is my tone always. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one thing. I hate technique with no tone. <laughs> I hear that. You know, because it's the sound. It's the sound. Um, mm-hmm. Ella hits a note, you're like, wow. And all she did was hit maybe one, two, three notes. Mm-hmm. You know, B.B. King has one note and everybody goes crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, coming behind him, Derek Trucks figured that out too. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's um, get your learning in, but keep your heart there too, and no fear. That's what I'd say. Awesome. Um, what are some ways that people can find your material so they can listen to you? I do have pat, P-A-T-T-C-A-S-I-O-N dot N-E-T. That's my website. Um, I have a YouTube. I don't know what it is, but if you spell Pat, it's always P-A-T-T. In case on C-A-S-I-O-N, I quite like it sound either one. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll find me there. Um, I am on both Amazon and iTunes. Um, it's past time for a new project, so as I get a little better, um, I'll probably be. I'm working on that. Okay. Um, and then just kind of look for me out and about. Not as much right now, but keep looking <laughs> um, for Pat Kason and friends at IOC Collective. Yeah. Awesome. Thank, thank you. you so much for your time. Thank you. And thank you for doing this at impromptu. Like, I came out here to get some breakfast with her, and I thought, mm, I need to get, I need to have a chat with her. She always has wise words to say, <laughs> and she's always so loving. Um, we also have her 
grandbaby in the back seat right now. <laughs> She's been waiting patiently. Thank Hi. you. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for joining my very special episode of Don't Cast and Drive. This is your host, uh, Veronica Tyler Christie, sometimes V, and I will catch you guys on another day. Goodbye. <laughs>